Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Löwenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. And today we're going to talk about demand generation with a subtitle, Opening the Gates to Creativity with a real creative guy, Neil Stoneman, who's a Content Performance Director at Velocity Partners. And I'm so stoked to have you here. Welcome to our podcast, Neil. Thanks very much for having me, Jacob. Looking forward to the discussion. Yes, really interesting topic today. And I know you guys are really good at this. So before we dive into the topic, though, it would be interesting to uh, get in quick overview about who you are, Neil, and what you've been up to and uh, why you ended up where you are now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've been working in various B2B marketing and communications capacities for the last 20 years or so. Um, I have always really enjoyed the, the, the sort of left brain, right brain combination of B2B marketing in the sense that we can be pretty creative on one side, but we're also quite metrics driven and uh, outcome orientated. And over the past 12 years or so, I, I joined Velocity, Velocity Partners, which has emerged as a reasonably well-known, I hope, in, in, our, in our nuanced circles uh, as a B2B content marketing uh, business. And so for the last 12 years, I've really been focused on the, I guess, the performance side of that. We, we do a lot of creative uh, content, work, branding, et cetera. But I've always been kind of more focused on trying to make sure that that creative work doesn't just go and sit on a website somewhere or, 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 or goes unused. I've, I've always been very focused in trying to make it sure it works in multiple channels, uh, is effective in demand gen, lead gen, um, you know, brand awareness campaigns, et cetera. So yeah, for the last 12 years, we've been, we've been working on that. Our, our goal overall is to try and make sure we have, we have an offering that, you know, fuses creativity, if you like, with, with outcomes that any business, uh, any business that employs marketing would want to see. So leads, SQLs, opportunities right through to revenue using all the tools that, that would be there and you know I think that's a natural fit for, for me um I, I I do kind of need to go home in the evening knowing that the, the work that we've done has, has led to some kind of result so so yeah that's that's how I would describe myself oh that's great and that's very uh, similar to our take to marketing at Bright Vision we want to drive revenue at the end of the day and uh, I suppose that exactly what you described there so uh, so good to hear. And as a content performance director, I think is that overseeing and analyzing all these uh, content campaigns, or, or what exactly is your day? Pretty much. I mean, I think I, my role is really to make sure that you know when when we start the uh, a client uh, engagement, it, it's really important that we we start with some big ideas. I think, and we have a a lot of understanding about what, what the market wants to hear, what, what, what's going to resonate with them, what's going to make them excited, 
what kind of things will stand out in terms of messaging and positioning. So that's quite a creative process that, that, that the business goes through. But also at the same time, we really do need to make sure that the alignment with the way that the company works and how the market thinks is, is really uh, well understood and managed as well. One of the things we often worry about in, in, in B2B marketing is that sometimes you end up with a weak link in your equation. So, you know, you might have some awesome creative ideas. You might have some really uh, tremendous thoughts about audience, but actually some of the things that might let you down are much smaller, uh, like landing pages, which are really ineffectual, um, or um, uh, ability to kind of follow up on some of the, the interest that, that content can drive for you. And therefore, you, you end up in a really strange position where, you might be doing really well. You might get 99 out of 100 for one thing, 90 out of 100 for another, but then you end up with a zero for, for one of the things that you've put together. And that ultimately in an equational sense means that you, you get nothing back in return. So I've always been kind of trying to make sure that what we come up with is actually well-designed, well-structured to work, not just as a creative idea in itself, but will actually work in a in a marketing automation system, it will drive search, it will power social media campaigns, a lot of the things that people actually want content for in the first place. And just make sure that alignment is really well done because the worst thing in the world, the worst thing in the world when you work in a, a business like ours is where great ideas die effectively because they didn't have a good enough wrapper of understanding about performance and, and, and what things ought to achieve. And when we can get these two things right, when they come together in a tremendous confluence, that's where I think you get the dynamic of the, the B2B marketing, left brain, right brain that I talked about earlier. So I, I'm always trying to make sure that we don't, we don't just get in a little bit of a silo of creative thinking that, that doesn't have a, a, a channel to market, a way to promote it. And, and again, make sure we get eyeballs on the stuff that we do. And, and, and recently, I think, you know, a lot of that has been about trying to move away from some of the almost intuitive ways that marketers have come to think about content. And once we saw an end to huge databases and people being able to fire out uh, group emails to thousands and thousands of people, I think a lot of people have gone into a, a lead generation mindset to rebuild their data backup, which is obviously very important as we need to go to first party data and, and, and have an audience to build. But one of the things I think we've seen at Velocity is that people then start to treat content, if you like, as something that is just there to generate a lead for you. Yeah. Um, and it should definitely do that. But there are, if you're not careful, that, that starts to mean that you, you think of it as a fuel, if you like, for a lead generation campaign. Whereas in reality, it can do a lot more. It's, it should contain your tone of voice, your galvanizing ideas, your ability to influence people. And, and we think, and I think rightly, that often some of the more lead gen work, which is hugely important and a huge part of what I do, should come after you've had a little bit of influence with people with your content. So maybe move away a little bit from this idea that, you know, you create content simply to get people to, to fill in, you know, gated forms, for example, and just, just leave you... Yeah. Uh, as a quid pro quo, there is much more you can do as a marketing team with with content. And a, a while ago, I think that we were all really good at that. Uh, but I think we've maybe gone a little bit more one dimensional a little bit in our thinking about how we how we use content in our marketing. And it's something we as a business and I as an individual would like to, you know, change a little bit. Yeah, that's so true. And, and uh, really, really good insights you're sharing here. So uh, I know that 
when I uh, researched this podcast a little bit and looked up your uh, <laughs> story and so on, you, you have been actually investigating and researched gated versus ungated content uh, a few years back and, and have actually deeped, really gone deep into this area. Uh, and what's your take on when to use gated content to drive leads and, and use these forms as you referred to and when not to do that or what yeah what's your conclusion well absolutely so if you go back 10 years or so and uh, this idea of content marketing and inverted commas was just sort of taking you know hold people have been doing it for, for generations but they, uh, it was sort of named and became a thing and it was quite easy then for us to create content for ourselves or for some of our big clients or new clients at the time, Marketo amongst others, to create really substantive, interesting pieces, put forms on them, and people would come and fill them in. And uh, I think at the time there was an idea, there was a quid pro quo between the content producer and the, and the user, if you like, that they would give you these details and you would stay in touch with them. And, you know, that would be an interesting equation. And, and we ran some tests then and actually put, you know, our forms up and our gates up and, there wasn't a huge delta between the results of non-gated and gated uh, content at the time. Um, you know, there, there was a change, but but it wasn't enormous. Fast forward five, six, seven, eight years, and that's completely transformed now. Uh, you know, the difference between, you know, you might get 50, 60% of people clicking buttons in campaigns to launch content. Um, or, or to, to, to experience digital content that's freely available. Uh, but you might see conversion rates of 0 0.01, 0 0.05, mm -hmm. uh, 0.5 for, for gated content. So that's because I think as marketers, uh, we've become a little bit obsessed with this kind of, you know, fill in a form, then we can, we can think of you as a sales lead or a marketing lead. Uh, but actually in reality, the, it's really the beginning of that journey. And um, if you've got a, 0.05 conversion rate uh, on, on some of your content. That means 99.5 of every 100 people that were interested in your business are going to leave, none the wiser about your tone of voice, what you've got to say, uh, what, your pro, uh, what your proposition is like, what your value proposition is like. So you're actually, it's becoming a little bit counterproductive. And as performance marketers, I think we need to be a little bit more creative about how we deploy content because that that change from 10 years ago to now is is too much to be honest you know you would you would happily sacrifice some percentages for 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 leads etc but when you're actually stopping people from understanding your company and business i think it's time to take a second look at it and and, and think about okay how can i deploy content and st still as part of a demand lead generation process but, but think, how do I earn the right to sell to people um, as, opposed to, as opposed to just, you know, a straightforward transaction, you know, our content for your lead, uh, for your name, so to speak, because people don't want to, to give them to us now. You can kind of understand why, you know, that lots of nurture flows, salespeople will call, etc. So our, our kind of change in the last 10 years has been, you know, go back to basics a little bit. If you think of Aesop's fables and the, the, the wind and the sun, the, the wind is trying to blow somebody's uh, jacket off and, and the person just galvanizes and becomes tougher and refuses to take the jacket off. But then the sun comes out and shines on the, 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 the person and then they, he decides then to take his jacket off willingly. 
And, and I think there's a little bit of that about how people should deploy content. The gate is like the wind, but if you can get people to experience it, the hypothesis that it will lower their barriers and get them to drop their guards, take their jackets off and think about your business in a different way. And then you can start to think about how you might target them with, with more uh, lead gen programs and, and retargeting, et cetera, which, which will enable a, a, a more a more influenced experience, if you like, with your prospects. Mm, yeah, so interesting uh, <clears throat> insights here. So, uh, yeah, so I think B2B marketing is maybe lacking a bit of, you know, finding new ways to express themselves or feeling that the, the, the ways to, you know, be creative is maybe limited and, uh, and you're, or maybe we're just stuck in old roots, you know, and, and try to put up the old form again and so on. So how do you break loose from that? And how do you find new avenues or new ideas or new channels in order to, to drive demand generation, which at the end of the day should move the needle in sales and revenue and so on. But yeah, any examples or ideas how to- Yeah, how yeah, to uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that I think people often, you know, think about is you're not, you know, people used to say you'd never get fired for choosing IBM when you, if you were buying technical services. And mm-hmm. now I think it's kind of similar. You're not going to get fired if you put, if you have that simple equation of here's something that you might be interested in, here's here's a form that you can fill in. That's kind of become standard practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think there are more creative ways that we can go about trying to break that trend. And, and part of it is to think about, you know, more digital content, for example. So, so you still have forms within the experience that you're going to uh, have uh, give to people, uh, but they're, they're more kind of aligned with the, the 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 subject matter and the creativity of what they're experiencing. So, when you ask them for data, they're they're more likely to to provide it willingly. Now, that doesn't mean you end up with lots lots more people filling in forms because it's non compulsory. But what you are going to get is people who have been through the experience and enjoyed uh, learning about your business. And, and when they do contact you, they're likely to be a little bit further down the funnel. For, for things like PDFs, for example, again, if you offer these freely, you know, you can do things like with, with big calls to action that, that link through to, to different product trials and, and, and other elements of, of, of uh, opening up products so that people experience them, for example, for SaaS products. And, and if you mark up your, your documents well and put nice calls to action in it, again, you've got a pretty good chance of getting people to, to, to fill in the form further down the funnel, but in a way that, that suits them because they're, they're much happier, uh, you know, and they've done it much more willingly because they understand a lot more about who you are and what your business does and your tone of voice. And all these things that, again, lower the barriers to, to, to understanding. So one of the things I would encourage people to do, and, and things that have worked for us very well recently, is to think about trying to do more of the things demand gen wise, uh, post that, that first experience. Because again, if, you, if you're losing 90% plus of your audience um, at that, that first experience, there's not a lot you can do to salvage that. Uh, also, you know, things that we're, we're used to doing, but, you know, then you can start more, you've got bigger audiences, potentially, you can get bigger pools, you can start to do more remarketing, um, certainly for the time being, uh, and then you can start to, to, to try and think about how you convert people further down the stream. But if you have good creative work, 
that really gets to the heart of a, of a user's issues, it's a user's problems, then, then obviously, the bar, like I say, the barriers do drop and then you're able to do things more as, as a follow-up. And when, you, as I say, you're losing 99.5% of your audience uh, to, to these gates, it's surely time to start to think about these things in a little bit uh, more cohesive way. I mean, one thing I, the other day, I read a blog post, so I won't name the company, but I thought it was great. And I wanted to share it on Twitter uh, and I wanted to share it on LinkedIn. But when I went to do that, uh, the, the business asked me to, to give my name and address to allow me to share the blog post. And to, to me, I just marveled at this because I was about to share this message and this brand, um, you know, to, 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 to my group of followers and hopefully beyond. But they asked me, they were coercing me essentially into to giving my name and my, my email address. Now, somewhere, somebody, somewhere, somebody thought that was a fantastic idea because somebody has a KPI to, to, to generate more data and get more people. And, and, and maybe that will work to a degree, or it seems to work. But all these other performance indicators that, that we track as a business, you know, that, that, that lead to these downstream conversions have been stymied by, by that process. So that's where you think performance marketers, if you like, a little bit have taken over the show. And, and to be honest, I'm a huge fan of that. I am one myself. And I, and I, 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 I love to have these kind of you know, KPIs that we're aiming for. But that's at a point where you're not being creative about it. You're not earning the right to sell something. You're actually, you're, you're trying to sort of impose, you know, a, a sanction, if you like, on your users. So that I don't really know if that counts as a success. In demand gen, I think we, as distinct from lead gen, I think we absolutely have to give people experiences and, and get them to understand what we're about. I mean, I always think of when you watch the, I don't know if you do, but if you watch sports, at halftime when, when I'll say the football, Sweden versus Scotland, um, then, you know, they don't come on with the adverts at halftime and say, you know, Jacob, can I have your email address so I can show you them? And, and to be honest, some of the people we've dealt with, that's what it feels like. You know, they've got this wonderful story to tell through content and creative, but, but they're asking for so much data in advance that, that, that you're not going to watch them. So you're basically not going to watch the adverts. Uh, and, and to a degree, I think we still have to think of our, our, our creative and our content as ads. There are times when it's super substantive, you know, it's really powerful stuff. Um, you know, where I think you can still gate things and it's got lots of great data, et cetera, uh, or you have an idea of how you might want to follow up something with, a, with another experience that, that, that ties into a campaign. But otherwise, it's a bit like driving a Ferrari off a forecourt and straight into the back of a Ford Transit van. You know, you, you've got this wonderful creative thing, but you're not allowing anyone to see it because it's, it's hidden behind this process. So, so, so yeah, I think that's, that's kind of how I see the world a little bit. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Yeah, that's great. A lot of things you shared here uh, that was so interesting. So it, it definitely shows you have done this for a while and uh, have come up with really good uh, 
insights. Uh, so thanks for that. So if you're a, a practitioner, B2B marketeer now, yeah. and, and this is probably a situation you meet every day, mm. where do you typically recommend your clients to start uh, thinking out of the box here? Uh, is there any low-hanging fruits or typical pitfalls or, or things you're starting to look for in order to, if we should give our listeners some advice? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think one of the things to do is it's, you know, in a lot of organizations, obviously, it's it's difficult to go from one state of affairs to another, you know, very quickly. Um, so just run, as we did 10 years ago, just just maybe start taking, you know, a more broad approach to some of the creative work that you do. And, 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 but make sure that you analytically understand how you're going to show the difference between what, what you're going to do and, and a traditional gated content method. So even if it's one leads out of 100 on a gated content process, that's still a, a, a deliverable. It's still a lead. It's still something that somebody can count. If you're going to take them off and try something a little bit different and a little bit more forward thinking, for example, if you make sure when we talked about adding the CTAs to, to, to PDFs and you, you put in, you know, the, the UTM parameters, what you can do is essentially show that content is a channel in itself and you can write, get reports on, uh, you know, conversion reports and attribution reports within Google Analytics pretty quickly and quite easily that, that show that people who read this then clicked through and started to do some of the other things. And, and we can see premiums of, you know, you know, 100, 200% of people who, once they've experienced this content, are more likely to go on and take downstream measures, conversions that our sales teams want people to take. You know, they don't really want to get uh, content download. They want somebody to be interested in a demo or something like that. And if you can make these small changes that show that, taking these things off isn't costing you data. It's actually giving you a new uh, breed of data, if you like. Then you, you have a different conversation altogether because what you're showing is the contribution of content as a channel almost in itself to your overall demand gen and lead gen goals. And when you can start to show reporting like that, um, it doesn't really matter who you are for me. Uh, you, you're going to lean forward and start to take some notice. So you do absolutely 100% need to be able to prove what you're about to do is a better result than what you've been doing previously. And that is being able to ally some analytical thinking, whether that's in your GA account or, or Adobe or, or into your, your marketing automation programs to show how that works. And what we've seen, because the, the, the reticence to fill in gated content these days is so high, it's actually not that big a level to beat, if you like. You know, we, you, 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 if, if, how, how many nurture emails do you have to send from somebody who's downloaded a piece of content to make them into a trial? Well, if you can do that through the process of this experiential content, and, and the, the content obviously still has to be really good and experiential for that to happen, then you're actually cutting your, your lead velocity down quite dramatically uh, and, and starting to, you know, make people lean forward and reach forward. But, but you need to have these analytical equations to make it work. For example, if you use content syndication companies, which we do as well, and they're often a very solid tactic, you know, you might be unsure as to whether people actually, you know, you get the lead, but do they actually read the stuff and click through? 
again, if you were to mark up some calls to action and, and you know, relate it to the specific channel that you were using, you might see that 10, 15% of people are making these clicks. That makes you a lot more confident about how that works and whether people are engaging and experiencing with it. And, and that's the same for any type of content. If even it's like digital, you like, what's the next step people would take? Where do I put my forms? Don't just dangle them off at the end where people can fill in something. Make them really tied in with the experience that you're giving them. Make Promise them data and things on, on the back of it. And then you'll find people are actually willing rather than coerced into giving you some information. And it's back to where we were 10 years ago, people believing in the quid pro quo between the experiences you can give them and what they're going to give you. You're just earning it. Whereas, you know, I think as a lesson, if you're not earning it, you can't trust that data anyway because um, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a value because who knows what the person experienced after they downloaded and, and looked at things. So make content a channel in itself, make it measurable, understand its attributions. And, and, and if you can do these three things, you, you really are in for some, you know, I think revealing experiences and understanding about the difference between a, a content experience and a coerced gated content experience. Mm, yeah. Great. Very interesting to hear. And uh, there's a lot of things here to, to think about <laughs> for, for our listeners, I can sure say. So um, have you seen an example where you have helped the company come through? And uh, Because I think it, one struggle that many companies have is that a lot of companies is, is quite undifferentiated. You know, it's hard to stick out in many B2B industries uh, mm-hmm. as well as B2C, of course. But since we're talking about B2B marketing here, it's, I mean, uh, there's a lot of competitors, very mm-hmm. similar from a feature perspective or, or from a pricing point or so. It's, it's hard to be, you know, really different in many perspectives, uh, how do you help a client who might have a not unique solution, a good one, of course, and maybe a strongly positioned in, you know, one of the leading providers, but still creating a campaign that drives revenue and, and you know, sticks out a little bit from the rest, so to say. Have you any examples? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, as I say, even though I'm talking more about the performance side of what we do, Velocity is at, is at heart a creative agency, and it, it begins most of our engagements with um, you know a positioning kind of process. That really is 100% focused on trying to pull out you know what is it that we can differentiate from within this competitive crowd about this business. Now, sometimes it can be something really big. Uh, sometimes it can be something experiential. Sometimes it can be a, a little bit more about you know, attitude sometimes or, or, or reflective of, 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 you know, the, a disruptive kind of message. Mm. And, and if you can crystallize that, and, and this is a big part of what I think makes a, a, a great content strategy flowing into demand gen, lead gen. If you can crystallize that, then, then obviously the things that you then create, again, become more revealing, more interesting. And again, if you've managed to achieve that and you set out to do that in the first place, Jacob, it's like, why would you then want to kind of go and hide all this stuff away that differentiates you where where you could make it a little bit more freely available? Because once people understand that differentiation, and I appreciate it's not easy to achieve, but if you can achieve that through that position and messaging at the beginning, then you've got something to talk about. And if you've got something to talk about, you want really as many people to see it as possible. 
And, and, and that's where the, the combination of this, where we started this left brain, right brain thing becomes super powerful for me. I mean, I think sometimes too many campaigns are kind of siloed. You, you get people to think up some creative ideas and then you get some, some people to kind of put them into demand gen processes and channels, some people to analyze and tell you whether that's working. And if you can, as an organization, can get your team to think about that as a fluid process where everybody's a little bit more involved, um, you know, the, the creative relates to the channels, the channels relate to the KPIs, the KPIs are reported back and optimized. Then, then you've got that, that virtuous circle of marketing that often doesn't exist because it often morphs into a vicious circle where everybody's at odds with each other. And, and again, as a sort of advice for the people listening in, you know, I think that spending time being able to kind of make these joins more, more fluid and, and getting campaigns that bring these things together, starting with the creative right through to the, the, the final executions and, and measurements, then, then you're onto something pretty robust. And, and that's much bigger and harder than just putting a form in front of a white paper, I understand. But the, the, the output from that is, is going to be more powerful than, than anything else. Uh, that you can do. And that that does involve, and I'll be honest, maybe a, a longer term thinking, you know, it's, it's a medium term process. You know, you can't expect fast results, but frankly, I think quite often it's quite difficult to get fast results from, from other options anyway. So, so you might as well uh, think of it these ways, but I do agree with you. If you haven't got, if you haven't got a differentiation to begin with, if you haven't thought that through and thought it out, who's going to care. And, and the whole kind of process, I think that we, we try to deliver is that if you get that part right, then you, you, you have something that's worth sharing with the world. And sharing with the world means not making it difficult to get your hands on, not, making the, not, not putting impediments in front of it to stop it from, from happening. And uh, yeah, these are, these are things that people don't always do these days. And that's, it's a difficult conversation with the client sometimes, not because they don't believe it. They look at the stats and they actually do agree that, that you know, what we've talked about in terms of form fills and all these other things they are difficult to achieve now, but it's difficult to persuade them that it's not a risk to do something else, you know, because as, as I said, you know, that's, that's kind of the way we, we've, we've marketers have ended up in this position. It's become the, the normal, if you like, to behave in this way. And I think we have a small opportunity between us and, you know, for the next year or two to kind of, revert, as I say, reverse that trend a little bit and do something a little bit different. And while everybody else is sticking with their forms and, and sort of traditional methods, there might be a little window for us to, to do something a little bit different. And that's really how I present it to them. It, it can only get better sometimes by doing something different. So, I mean, if, if you are doing really well with lead gen forms and so on, I, I would never suggest not carrying on with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest breaking a system that works. But many of the ones I talk to are, you know, it's, it's dis they're disappointed and getting more disappointed. So why not try something a little bit different? So really good. And I suppose that ties into that it's so important in marketing that we put up the right metrics and the right goals to drive to, towards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jacob. I mean, I think one of the things that is really important here. I mean, again, that, that joined up thing that we talked about. I, I'm not talking about not having KPIs. I, I'm 100% I'm behind that. I think the move towards outcomes and, 
and, and being able to demonstrate the value that B2B marketers bring is probably the best thing that's happened to the industry from my perspective since I've been in it. Yeah. But all I'm saying is think about them a little bit differently. It's not all about this one way content equals leads. There, there, are, there are other ways to, to deploy content, to, to gather data, to be more creative, uh, to think of content as a channel, as I said. And, you know, these all should relate back to KPIs. The, the, the ideas that come out of that should be very much driven by these. And, and again, we should always be measured by them. And again, if you're, if you're thinking about taking these different approaches, um, then, you know, that, that you should have a good compare and contrast with what you're starting out with because, you know, everything's dynamic, everything's a little bit different. Uh, this, this process will work differently for, for, for different organizations. Yeah. Wow. Neil, that was so much great nuggets we have got from you there. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your uh, insights and expertise in, in demand generation and how to be creative within those boundaries, which isn't that easy. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And if people want to check you out or check out Velocity more or the content you have written about these topics and so forth, where can we send them? Well, yeah, we Velocity has a uh, velocitypartners.com. There, there's a blog and, and lots of different creative, if you like, content types, which, we, which we've done for ourselves and for our clients that, you know, would conform to this process that we're talking about here. So, yeah, do feel free to go and check it out. And we'd love to, to have you there. Thank you so much and all the best and good luck with uh, all your things you're into at Velocity. So thank you so much for your time, Neil. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.